Please note that during the course of this podcast, we will deal with issues of sexual assault and other subjects that may be difficult or sensitive for some listeners. You're listening to Data Point, stories behind the scenes of the Israeli economy. Data Point, a podcast by the Taub Center. If we look at studies now from the USA, it shows us that people will live 10 years less and in some cases 20 years less. And I'm young, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to die at 60 because I have a lot to achieve. So if you ask me what I want to do in the next 20 years, make sure I outlive the next 20 years and make sure my friends, my colleagues, people I've known for years, don't keep dying on me. What affects our health? We all know that things like exercise and nutrition impact how we feel. But there can also be a direct link between the cough you got this morning <coughs> and your social status, education, or even things that happened to you as a child. So when a doctor examines a patient and makes a diagnosis based on medical records, blood pressure, and pain presentation, is there additional data, not necessarily medical, that may be just as important to know? Today, we will be speaking with two trailblazers who, each in their own way, have expanded our understanding of what health is. On the local level, here in Israel, social activist Yael Scherer wages a daily battle to raise awareness and protect the rights of victims of sexual assault. She works with medical practitioners as well as in other areas. On the international front, for over five decades, Professor Sir Michael Marmot has been examining health inequality and has shown how data that appears to be unrelated to health like residential area or socioeconomic status, impacts health for each and every one of us. Today, he serves as a professor of epidemiology and public health at the University College London. Professor Marmot and Yael Scherer participated in the Taub Center Conference Inequality in Health, Defining Challenges, Developing Solutions, sponsored by the Herbert and Nell Singer Foundation, which took place last November. Professor Nadav Davidovich, principal researcher and chair of the Taub Center Health Policy Program, interviewed them. I invite you to visit the Taub Center website and watch their fascinating talks as well as the other conference speakers. Here, Professor Marmot explains how, more than 50 years ago, he noticed the surprising connection between social status and health. It really started as a medical student and a junior doctor when I thought the evidence was pretty clear from our patients that the conditions in which they lived uh, had a fundamental impact on their mental health, yes, of course, but also their physical health, whether it was treating patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or people with mental illness or even people coming into hospital with cardiac failure and patching them up sending them home, and back they came again. So I thought there must be things we could do about prevention. But prevention had to include looking at the conditions in which people live, not simply being a non-smoker or eating a healthy diet. It was then pointed out to me that there was a whole discipline where you could study this, epidemiology and public health. And I went from, I was then in Australia, I went to University of California, Berkeley and did a PhD in epidemiology, looking at 
men of Japanese ancestry in Japan, Hawaii, and California. And it was very clear that as the Japanese migrated across the Pacific, their rate of heart disease went up and their rate of stroke went down. It was related to the social conditions. That didn't get me thinking about inequalities so much, but it certainly got me thinking about the impact of social, cultural, environment on health. When I came back to the UK and started working on the Whitehall study of British civil servants, the most striking finding was that the lower people were in the employment hierarchy, the higher their mortality from heart disease, respiratory disease, and a whole range of diseases. A social gradient in life expectancy, in civil servants, but then it turned out to be true in the country as a whole. So what started as a research interest, how do we explain this social gradient in health transmuted over time, not all of a sudden, but over time into real concern with what can we do about it? Marmot had to work hard to make people understand the connection between social inequality and their health status. If these inequalities in health are related to inequalities in society, then we need to address these inequalities in society if we want to do something about it. You ask people in Britain, tell me what you think about health. Do you know how difficult it is to get an appointment with my general practitioner and The nurses were wonderful when my grandmother was in hospital uh, and can we get access to the latest treatment? That's what they think. Then you ask them about their lives and they say, we're really worried about having enough money to heat the house this winter. We can't afford food where we live. The housing's not good. The neighborhood's not good. We don't like to let our children play outdoors because it's dangerous out there. In other words, when you ask them about their lives, they describe the social determinants of health, but they don't think of that as health. They think of health as being the medical care system. And the educational challenge is to show that what people recognize and understand well as the problems in their lives, they are the determinants of health. It's not just access to health care. It's those things in which people have great insight because it is their lives. They know what their problems are. Yael Scherer would certainly agree with Professor Marmot's words. Her work here in Israel is about making the kind of connections that the healthcare system doesn't always see or recognize. Let's begin with an introduction. I'm Yael Scherer. I'm the head of uh, SSVAG, which is an organization called Survivors of Sexual Violence Advocacy Group. And I'm the head of this organization, and I specialize in healthcare for victims and survivors of sexual abuse, violence, and rape. This organization is an organization of survivors, I personally am a survivor. My father abused me as a child. He was convicted. He went to jail. And these people, even if they're backstage or if they talk publicly, absolutely, 
are very powerful people. They're not at all like this uh, image we have of them as like weak people or, or, or people that deserve to be hospitalized or, or institutionalized. In this organization, we have uh, pilots, doctors, social workers, yeah, nurses. Uh, we have uh, people who run businesses, um, journalists. I mean, these people are, are everywhere. They're not stupid. They deserve their rights. They can be your neighbors. They can live next door. They can be the teacher to your children or your boss. And I think it was very important to us to be a legitimate voice in the room, to participate in meetings, to have a professional opinion. This is an organization dedicated to bringing this voice to the government, to the parliament, to these people who are making these decisions and they don't know anything about us. They haven't met us. They're guessing. We're the experts. Yao's main challenge is how to make everyone involved recognize the direct connection between past trauma and current medical issues. Many people didn't agree with me that there was a connection between getting sick and being abused in the past or rape. And only in this last decade, there came a, a movement of um, studies and publications about this issue that links your past experiences, which are traumatic experiences, to your health condition and to your general health, people were not aware that these traumatic experiences can have an effect on your heart. And the cardiology in Israel doesn't pay any attention to past experiences like these. It has an effect on your teeth and your health, your mouth, uh, gynecological problems. Um, women who suffered from these events need more IVF. It costs a lot of money to the healthcare system. It has to do with your skin, the health of your gut, and other aspects of health that are not obvious. After 10 years, we realized that all these things tend to manifest in the survivor and we need to have health practitioners that are aware of it. But how can you measure a group who said that there's inequality in health? How can you prove there's inequality in health when you don't even count those people? You don't know how many are there and what are their needs? We have no idea today in Israel, nor the world, what's the link between these diseases and other health problems to these situations because we don't measure them. We don't ask people if they were abused or raped. People in the health industry don't ask that question. They're afraid of it. It's taboo. So we don't have the whole system designed to even properly measure these people in this population. Despite the difficulties, Yael finds ways to gather information about this transparent community. If we even can say that we have any data, 
it's from the acute units. We know how many rapes our healthcare system deals with in a year, how many assaults, and we have the data. And this year I've been working with the health ministry about coding it properly so we can have a proper coded number and we can count these people and know how many are adults and how many are minors, how many are men, how many are women, and get more data. It's only starting to trickle down from the hospitals, but we're going to have a number, some sort of number, and we can have the, maybe, I don't know, maybe, the GPs have um, maybe a pop-up window. Maybe, maybe it's something that the GP needs to know that you've arrived at a hospital after an assault. It's something that's important for the rest of the care. You can't go home and the health system acts as if they don't know about you and you don't need any sort of, I don't know, escorting you, checking up on you, a social worker from the healthcare system. Somebody needs to be on top of it in order for, for these people to heal. Yal explains how a few simple steps, like extra gentle touch or distracting a patient, can make a huge difference. We started now a project that tells health practitioners all kinds how to deal with these people with simple methods. Some people who have been abused or raped cannot stand touching. They're very sensitive to machinery, sounds, or even checkups that include you putting a little wooden stick on their tongue. Because they have an instinct and a previous disposition to be alarmed by these things because of what happened to them. If you teach people how to be gentle, how to be caring, it doesn't take a lot of money to switch off the light, dim the light. Maybe the lights are too bright for them. Maybe half the lights. Maybe you don't have to have a clinic that's in total silence. Maybe it's alarming. Maybe it's frightening for them, the awkward silence. What happens if we put on a Taylor Swift song? Then it's not so difficult. Then the sounds of the machine are not so prominent. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do something that diverts the attention. I now was in a healthcare meeting of nurses. We started working together Uh, during the COVID pandemic. And we had mothers who were survivors wanting vaccines, but being so afraid and so triggered by the sensation of something penetrating their skin. And we had a lot of methods to work with this group who wanted to be vaccinated, but was so scared of it and couldn't bear it. And one of the methods that really worked was taking it out of the clinic and putting the little table and chair in the garden where you can hear the birds. It's not a clinical setting. It's not so triggering. And you have a lot of peace and quiet outside that you don't get inside the clinics. And it worked so well. It doesn't cost a lot of money to open the door and do it in the garden. 
What's missing for both Yael Scherer and Professor Marmot is more effective communication between care providers within and across different agencies. Better information sharing will lead to better and more accurate diagnosis and treatment. Although she's been active in this field for years, Yael says her work is really just beginning and that she is fighting for information sharing within the medical system before she can even begin to tackle the issues between systems. I think everybody in the healthcare system should learn about it. Nurses, doctors, clinicians, psychologists, I think they should know about it. I think ignorance is our worst problem to date. I think the healthcare system needs to work in a more holistic way. And I think healthcare uh, professionals need to share knowledge to know more about their patients and to think more about how to help them. I would love it if a GP would have a, a pop-up window where he can say this patient uh, responds more to uh, music, uh, lights, um, I don't know, a teddy bear, hugging a teddy bear or anything. Be, be open to what the patient needs in order to be um, a partner. We are really just beginning to work with the health ministry. After 10 years, I have to admit that the real work is only being done for one year. That's it. We've only just begun. I don't know about other sectors because the, the acknowledgement that this is a problem is, is something that's not yet really, really official. I mean, it's so new. It's so new that we can't even tell the health system to participate in other forums about this uh, subject because they don't know enough about it to sit there comfortably. They're just beginning, just learning about it. And I'm really hopeful for the next two or three years, we can really do good work. I would love to swim in data, bathe in data about this because I know there's a connection. And I know the minute that we start asking people, we're going to get this link. There was a study here in Israel about um, gynecological problems. They started asking women who couldn't get pregnant if they were raped or assaulted. And the, the results were mind-blowing. It, it really showed that these women, I, I don't want to say one and the same, but it's not a separate group. It's the group. And I think if we start collecting data, we will realize what the group is. Heart attacks in women. I'm sure we're going to discover what group it is. Um, uh, drug use. Sure. We, um, psychiatric uh, problems and being hospitalized. We already understand that these are the same people. This is the same community. It's my community. From this unique vantage point, Professor Marmot is able to identify the factors that affect how successful or unsuccessful we are in addressing healthcare inequalities. Well, the stories of failure are easy. I could find any number of stories of failure. And the, the failure takes two forms. Ministers of health saying, I don't want to listen to you for two reasons. One is my job is to run the hospital system. And if I listen to you, maybe I'll be out of a job because people won't need hospitals anymore. 
And I say, it's, it's okay. We're all going to get sick in the end. We'll all need hospitals. Don't worry. There'll be a lot of work for you. We just like people to be healthier for longer. And particularly, we want to deal with the inequalities. But then they say, yeah, okay, I recognize that. But still, my job is to run the hospital system or the healthcare system. That's where the money comes from. That's where all the money goes. It's not my job to deal with early child development or education or improving working conditions. That's not my job. And then you talk to the Minister of Education and he says, or she says, oh, yes, you want me to give children T-shirts and have them run around the park once a week. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is greater equity in outcome of education. So what I want to say to the Minister of Education do your job properly and health will improve. Don't worry about T-shirts and running around the park. Oh, I mean, yes, giving kids exercise and teaching them about nutrition and the like is very important. But do your job. Get greater equity in the benefits of education and you will be improving health. So the example of success is where you get sign up to the values of social justice and fairness and leadership from the centre of government. Now, maybe city level, it may not be the national government, but you get the leader from leadership from the centre, not just from the health sector or from one other, but getting people to work together across government. And that includes the voluntary community and faith sectors. Uh, certainly, in the Middle East, uh, we said a great deal about the role of faith sectors. Despite the battles and setbacks, Professor Marmot remains optimistic and determined to continue on this path. So I think you're supposed to get more conservative as you get older. I got more active, more radical, more concerned about the fact that we need to do something Uh, that's what the evidence shows, and that's where we need to be acting, on the social determinants of health equity. Yael, of course, continues her fight, and as she gathers more information about her community, it becomes even more personal. If we look at studies now from the USA, it shows us that people will live 10 years less, and in some cases, 20 years less. And I'm young, I'm 40 years old. I don't want to die at 60 because I have a lot to achieve. So if you ask me what, I'm, what I want to do in the next 20 years, make sure I outlive the next 20 years and make sure my friends, my colleagues, people I've known for years, don't keep dying on me. Thank you to Yael Scherer and Professor Michael Marmot, and also to Professor Nadav Davidovich for conducting the interviews. This episode was produced by Dior Morag, editing and sound by Podcastico. Special thanks to Professor Avi Weiss, Nir Keidal, Racheli Gresser, Anat Sela Cohen, Laura Schreiber, and Ariel Achdout. And a huge thank you to our sponsor, the Herbert and Nell Singer Foundation, 
for making this episode possible as part of the Taub Center's annual Herbert M. Singer International Policy Conference. Our 2022 conference was titled Inequality in Health, Defining Challenges, Developing Solutions. To learn more about the conference and listen to recordings of the conference content, please visit our website at taubcenter.org.il. If you're interested in giving us feedback or sponsoring future episodes of this podcast, be in touch at podcast at taubcenter.org.il. Ami Dokenan, and this was another episode of Taub Center's podcast, Datapoint. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Datapoint, stories behind the scenes of the Israeli economy. Datapoint, a podcast by the Taub Center.